You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Hey, wow. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time. To He's up the floor. Reads a drop down. Kobe! Oh! Up high! Down hard! Kobe Bryant! Very deep, yeah. Blocked by LeBron! That basketball <laughs> will never be the same! <laughs> So that now has entered the fray. Oh, oh, and welcome back to Hardwood Radio. How you doing, man, tonight? Good, you? I am doing great. A great week of basketball. Uh, you call this period of the season the dog day, so it's going to be a dog days podcast. It's the dog <laughs> days of the basketball season where the trade deadline is over and we're actually on our way to the playoff. But it's the lull of the season. There's not a lot going on. It's uh, The majority of the standings in both the side in the East and the West right now are not sad, but there's such a big gap. And then, like, after the fourth position on both sides of the standing, that, well, yeah, it's the dog days of the summer of basketball. <laughs> it's exactly. There's nothing that's going to happen that's going to surprise us ranking-wise. Even if a player breaks breaks out, it's not any guarantee that is going to uh, make uh, qualify his team to the, for the playoffs. So we're just on cruise control waiting for March Madness and then for the uh, NBA playoffs to happen. No, exactly. There's like everybody's taking like almost a break. That's what ex explained the result of the Warriors versus the Lakers. I guess the Warriors <laughs> decided to, like, eh, you know what? Let, let's take a break on this game. Let's give this one to the Lakers. I watched the first half of this game because it was obscenely late. It was like it, I when I when the the halftime came, it was like one in the morning. Um, the, the the Warriors had plenty of good looks. They were. Uh, they were clicking on the, the, the courts, but they could just not get the shots to fall. And some nights it happens. And remarkably enough for the Warriors, every night where it counted, the shots were falling. But uh, against the Lakers, where the game had no, no impact whatsoever on their no season. Oh, no meaning. Uh, Clay Thompson was 0-8 from three. Steph Only Curry won was, by Steph, right? Uh, one, one out of ten, it was his first three-point of the game. The next nine three-points just rimmed out. And they were good shots. They were good, uh, smart shots. And they almost went in every time. They just kept rimming out. Um, there, were a there was a little bit of confusion, uh, especially when Anderson Varejao was on the uh, court because he's not used to the... Um, He's not used to the off offense yet. There's a bit of um, confusion in the offense on the offensive sets, but it was just a very bad night. And the Lakers are finally letting their young guns play. Uh, they put they're starting D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, uh, Julius Randle, Larry Nance, and these guys have plenty of pops in their legs. They're frustrated. They want to show the world that they're good, and they just did that against the Warriors. Uh, they're going to probably get really, really beaten down next time they're facing Golden State. But uh, champion pride, champions pride oblige. Yeah. But uh, they're not. Uh, it's a good. 
it's a good game for them to have under their belt, especially the Angelo Russell, who seems to be breaking out uh, at the end of the season and becoming the player um, the Lakers actually thought they had drafted. No way. I think, you know what, when you're looking at the season, it's been, uh, what, two-thirds of the season has passed. So mm -hmm. the Kobe Bryant retirement tour has gone everywhere it needed to be. You can finally move so. on. You can finally move on to let the kids play, like you mentioned. Let mm -hmm. the kid get an experience that next year, when Kobe Bryant is not there, and you'll have a new face of the Lakers or a new direction for the club, it's going to be important that training or that practice time. Because yes, those are games that are playing, but it's practice time. It's training mm -hmm. time for the future. It's training in a game situation match. That for them, it's not necessarily worth it. They're not going to make the playoff. But what they can learn is how to maybe become a a new for the other teams maybe how to get points how to get eeks win when for the other team it's important so you can almost consider them playoff game if they're playing against an opponent that's battling for the playoff then mm -hmm. their challenge could be look let's put a monkey in the ranch let's put a little wooden in little wooden stick in the bicycle and let's see what happens mm -hmm. it's a type of thing that's interesting and it's a challenge that usually young players are up for so if you make them play the young lakers it's good for them and the distraction of the Kobe Bryant retirement tour, I think it's finally over. It is. And um, it's what's really has been bugging me about that sudden decision from Byron Scott to be brilliant and let D'Angelo Russell play uh, is that if they are lose, if they, if they finish outside of the three worst teams in the NBA, they're losing their first round pick, which would be disastrous for them, which mean, would mean they tanked for nothing. And apparently they're very confident that they're, even if they're letting um, D'Angelo Russell play, they're going to lose anyway. So much power to them. But they showed uh, last week against the Warriors that whenever, whenever these kids are on the floor, they have a good core. And even with or without Kobe, because Kobe plays uh, the three alongside Uh, Russell and Clarkson, even with or without Kobe, uh, the two kids click together. They have a good chemistry. Uh, they're athletic. They're hard to guard. And they're really smart, especially D'Angelo Russell. He pulled a couple of wow moves against Curry uh, on offense. Like he blew past him a couple of times. He used his dribble very wisely, very smartly. And uh, each time the, these guys are on the floor, they're going to be a menace from the next year on. No, absolutely. So uh, now the Warriors actually bounced back mm. after this loss. Oh, they yeah. won the game after, and Steph Curry scored his uh, 303 points of the season, becoming the first ever player to do so. Uh, how impressive is that stat? Because between you and me, he's the first ever to do it. So is it like a new benchmark? Is it like a new target that players will be aiming for? Like, look, I want to have a good season. I'll have over 303 points. I think eventually so because, but right now the truth is that the the best uh, amount, the most amount of three points in the one season uh, after Curry is Ray Allen, which is 272 or 269, something like that. It's very far behind Steph. Like number one is Steph, number two is Steph, number three is Steph, and then there's Ray Allen. So uh, it's going to happen in the future. The players are going to be gunning for Steph's record or not, or maybe the game is going to go back to a more of an inside physical game. But um, Steph is redefining, uh, is redefining how the game is played right now. And this is just another of many landmark 
on the, for years to come. That's for sure. Because I think it hasn't been talked a lot. Like 303 points, it's a round number. It's a like a, a benchmark that can be looked upon as, look, you want to have a Hall of Fame career, you need to have those type of season if you want to get into the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame or something like this. It, it, it's a, such a big and high number to have in one season, 303 points. Then it makes for an interesting debate after, look, will anybody get close to it? Like you mentioned, there's a big disparity between the second uh, the second player, which is Ray Allen. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be interesting in the future to see if, well, how much he finished the season with, because there's still a lot of games left to play. Uh, almost 20, I think, if not 20. There are 66 and 6, so there are 20 games left. So look, he, he can probably, he can manage at least 3 and 4 minimum of 3 points per game. I think he averaged 5.7, if I'm not mistaken. It wouldn't be a stretch to say he can reach 400 this season. Uh, maybe 400 if he gets hot. The safe number would be 350. Yeah, but that's uh, how, most, that's almost 75 more than the guy just behind him. That's how, that's mind blowing. Uh, yeah, he's at the, I think at his career at 1500 three pointers, and Ray Allen, who is the most pro efficient three point shooter in the, the history of the game, has two 2700 or something like that. So in so the next three seasons, he's going to catch up to the record of all time three points. Three to five seasons, depending on his health. Yeah, most likely, yeah. That's just mind-blowing. And he's so oh, young he still. He's 27. Wow. Imagine if he plays another seven years. Seven, eight years would be very fair and very conservative estimate of his playing time. Mm-hmm. He's going to redefine the amount of uh, points that you can score as a player. He's going to have all the records as a point scorer in the league. He's not the most athletic guy, so I think that if he plays until, let's say, 36, 37, he's going to uh, fade out and take up more of a backup role later in his career. But we never know. Steve Nash was very efficient until he was like 38 or 39. So um, he's going to get uh, a lot of points, but I think he's going to be the type to retire at 35, 36. He's got a lot going on in his life. He's got a lot of positive stuff going on in his life. So when he's going to feel he did enough with basketball, I think he's going to pull the plug and take his records with him. Can you imagine? He might reach, reach 3,000 free points in his career. So another round number, yeah, yeah. and that will be become the new 3,000 hit in baseball, but for basketball. Or it's going exactly. to be very interesting. It's a very, very big accomplishment that Steph Curry did. And it's going to be it, the season. I think it would be the, in the Ty Cobb slash Pete Rose league of 4,000 hits. It's that, yeah. that much of an achievement it would be to make 3,000 three-pointers in your career. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely right, because it's such a head over everybody else. So, yeah, no, it's, I, it's awesome. I think John Stockton is the leader of all time on its steals, and he has 3,200 steals. And the next one on the list is Jason Kidd, who has 1,800. Yeah, that, that would be the exact same disparity almost. <laughs> exactly. So there's, there's this, there's this uh, dominance, I think, that, Curry has over what he does. Like he mastered it like nobody's ever mastered it before. And he's like that's it. He's the good. He is he's going to we cannot say if we cannot tell if anything anybody's gonna beat him because he's rewriting the future right now. Uh, speaking of writing the future and not necessarily having the best results, uh, Ben Simmons, which is touted as the best mm-hmm. prospect coming out of the NCAA this year, well, 
LSU as is put him uneligible for the John Wooden Award, which is the MVP of the NCAA basketball division, because yes. his GPA sucks. Yeah, 1.8. He's not. He's flunking his class. Uh, to give you a baseline, I had a 3.2 GPA when I was in uh, in college, and 3.2 GPA I got out while sleeping in class. And I'm not particularly brilliant, so um, so uh, he was probably just not going to class, and which which is interesting because the NCA has such a strong stranglehold over every school in their program. I would have thought. Uh, they would have found a way to have Simmons eligible for the trophy because they want him to win the trophy, right? They want yeah. the uh, NBA baller to have the NCAA uh, trophy so they can have more standing, more prestige, and keep uh, their it keep their um, legacy going. But LSU decided to blow the whistle and not declare him eligible. That's interesting to me. There's a lot of good players. A lot of guys are going to uh, go in the NBA draft uh, eligible for the trophy, but no Ben Simmons. Uh, I think it represents LSU in a way that the old NCAA, especially in the South, is very conservative, mm -hmm. especially with their image. And if they mm -hmm. let a Ben Simmons, which is known, that doesn't have a great IPA, uh, GPA, GPA. Uh, not the beer, but the actual <laughs> the results, if it's known that he doesn't have a great GPA and he still represents the league as the best in the country, it doesn't necessarily reflect well on the academic side of LSU. And you never want to devalue that LSU uh, certificate, the LSU diploma, because yes, you do give sometimes a scholarship to those players with a free ride, but you want them to have a great result, great uh, great uh, result in school because otherwise it actually devalues what a LSU diploma is worth. So it's very interesting on that side. Yeah, uh, and it probably means also that basketball is not their meal ticket. I know they're very big in football too, but it means that basketball is not uh, like like they value education over sports. There's a lot of sports schools who are doing very well in the NCAA schools like Duke, school Kentucky, Indiana, uh, Kansas, but LSU has always been on the margin of that, and it might just be because they value uh, the education they give to their young uh, players more than uh, the trophies themselves, and much power to them. Uh, ben Simmons is just a temporary, uh, not even a humiliation, it's a temporary embarrassment for Ben Simmons. Uh, he's going to forget it on uh, June 25 or 26, I think is this year. Well, whenever uh, he's drafted first and say uh, the uh, whatever team is drafting first Ben Simmons, he'll be happy when he signs that first check. Well, when exactly. he deposits that first check. He's going to forget all about diploma. It's not going to matter to him. You know, a lot of the NCAA are trying to get their players to stay for two, three, four years saying, oh, you put, can't put no value to an education. Well, of course you can. And either you make 20 millions a year or you're making like you're having a, a, a um, college diploma and you're making 50,000 a year. It doesn't make sense. The math doesn't add up. So Ben Simmons is going to go get to be a millionaire, be a superstar and live happily ever after without the NCAA.
that's a that's an embarrassment for the NCAA more than anybody anybody else, I think. And that, I think that's why LSU has decided to put him uneligible for that trophy, which can be reasonably explained if you consider uh, the the worth or their vision and their perception of what a diploma is worth. Exactly. All right. Uh, speaking of college basketball, March Madness yes, starts on March seventeenth. Uh, it's yes, next week. We'll have our actually break down our preview. We'll bring a guest on to talk about uh, college basketball. But you're going to give us a little March Madness one on one primer tonight. Yes. Well, basically, why? What is March Madness, and why you should care about it? Right. March Madness is a sixty-eight uh, teams. Uh, single elimination basketball tournament it's been it was a 64 teams uh, until 2001 but it's since 2001 they decided to have a little play-in tournament before uh, it started uh, so battle for two spots uh, exactly the um, uh, the way it works is that the the champions for the third from the 32 division one conferences are all battling each other in this final tournament and the other teams are receiving what we call at large berth which means they are selected by a committee for whoever is going to make the best matchups or whoever whichever team have the most interesting season so which apparently LSU has a chance to receive a berth for the tournament which I think it will so Ben Simmons will play in that tournament we don't we don't know yet. Uh, they're as sure as hell not qualified for it. Uh, but let's say the, the selection committee uh, decides that he does. Well, he will. And the select these selections committees are notoriously crooked, like all of the NCAA. <laughs> so it will. He might. He might very well get his way in. It's a tournament that is uh, that is ongoing over an entire month. Uh, the first four and the first uh, the first four uh, uh, are played on the first weekend. Uh, the first and second round are played on the first week. Uh, there's going to be the Elite Eight on uh, the second week, the Sweet 16 on the third week, the Final Four and the uh, finals and yes, the championship and the final uh, and the final week. It's very grinding. Uh, a lot of millionaires offer a lot of money to people who can come up with a perfect bracket. Uh, it uh, never happened. I remember one year, a couple of years ago, there was a, an autistic 13-year-old that had a perfect bracket up until the final, but actually lost his final game. But it's so hard. To, I, to have, usually after the first weekend, my bracket is busted. I cannot remember one time where my bracket, one participation where my bracket hasn't been busted after the first week. One, I, one year I had 15 and 1 on the first week, but that was my best result. My bracket is always busted on the first week, and so is everybody. The odds are astronomical and impossible to uh, overcome. Uh, and I, you're lucky if you if you dictate uh, the right winner. We were, I think, 18 people in my uh, uh, tournament last year. Only one person had Duke as the winner. Only one. <laughs> yeah. I had. Uh, Kentucky, I think, like everybody else. But, uh, yeah, it was Duke who really came through um, in a very impressive way, by the way. 
Yeah, no, exactly. And that's one of the fun things about the NCAA March Madness tournament is the bracket aspect of mm-hmm. the tournament. Is everybody's mm-hmm. talking about it, everybody feels bracket. And for us here in Canada, you can go to TSN.ca in the next couple of days. The bracket mm-hmm. challenge will start, which you go on your phone or on your email, you actually fill up your bracket. There's mm-hmm. prizes included. So me and Ben next week will probably fill our bracket live here on the air as well. Yes, yes, and we might we're going to host a tournament on the Facebook page. If you guys are Perfect. interested, we're going to uh, we're going to run that uh, throughout the tournament. Sounds good to me, Ben. Our prospect of the week. Speaking of March Madness, Chris yes. Dunn. Yes, Chris Dunn, who is a nomination for the Wooden Award this year. He is uh, along nineteen other young gentlemen uh, nominated. I don't think he will win. But I think Buddy Hield, which we talked about a couple uh, weeks ago, I think Buddy Hield will because he's a senior, because he's having a breakthrough season as a senior. But uh, this week we're talking about Chris Dunn, who is the best point guard in the draft right now, which is a very interesting position. It's the point is the position that is most loaded with talent in the NBA. But um, whenever you have point guard a breakthrough uh, uh, point guard uh, in the draft, you have to take him. You have to always up your Deante and like get get the best prospect possible at point guard. Uh, and Chris Dunn is very interesting. He was supposed to declare last year, but he injured his foot. Uh, so this year he improved his stock again by playing marvelously well. Uh, he's a junior. He's a little bit older. He's six foot four. 205, he has a bit of a John Wall physique, which is very impressive, but he's not as explosive as John Wall. Let me reassure you, he's a very smart player. Um, he can either take over scoring duties uh, for, his, for his team or act as a facilitator. He has a good first step, he's kind of explosive. Um, I'm not sure how it's going to, um, how it's going to, uh, um, it's going to translate to the NBA. I like to think of him as a Drew Holiday type of player. Drew Holiday has been having a tough couple of years in New Orleans because he's mostly injured, but clutch shooter, uh, very selfless player, very mature uh, right out of the college. And he's a third-year college player. He is ready to play. He is ready to contribute right now. He's not a project. His skill set is defined. And he should be in the tournament. He will be doing very well uh, with the Providence Friars. Uh, expect him to uh, go top five in the next um, NBA draft. I think my pinky is telling me that the Minnesota Timberwolves are really going to look into him. They've been looking for some shooting uh, from the point guard position because Ricky Rubio, as talented he is, uh, cannot uh, fool any defense anymore because he can't shoot. So they're going to, I think they're going to try to bring Chris Dunn in in order to feed Andrew Wiggins, Carl Towns, uh, Zach Levine, and build a machine of debt in the cold of Minnesota. Uh, that was interesting to me too, to go back to the March Madness tournament for a second, yes. is uh, the small universities that can go far. Yes. The Davidson of this world, which a couple of years ago had a few Canadian in his and uh, the team, and they went far in the tournament. That it was a great story, and you always have a Cinderella story too. So uh, the small they had Steph Curry too that year. It's true. Wow. <laughs> it's, wow, it's true. That's, why, that's why they went. To... 
that's why they went far. They had like the best, the, the biggest superstar in, uh, in college ball. Oh, yeah. But, you know, yeah. that's the great stories of the March Madness tournament. And mm-hmm. you have like small teams like Providence that has a shot mm-hmm. sometimes of making it to the Sweet 16 or who knows, even the Elite 8 or final. just a presence in the Final Four mm-hmm. is big enough to get your name out there on the national level when you're talking about a small university. Yeah. And the revenue attached to it can help the basketball and the university program for years to come. Yeah, there was uh, Wichita State, who's been doing deep runs for the last couple of years. Two years ago, they had one uh, spearheaded by Clay Anthony Early, who now plays for my Knicks. Um, they, now they got uh, Fred Van Vliet and Ron Baker, two seniors, who are most likely going to go in the draft this year, but in the second round, uh, spearheading their efforts. And they're a very small uh, mid-major but they're very dedicated to basketball. They are. They have a culture of selflessness uh, in their team. They have a good system, and watch for uh, Wichita State to uh, make some waves this year too. Ben, which is your favorite uh, NCAA team? We'll put it out there before I actually break out. But uh, uh, which <laughs> team do you act always loved in college basketball? Oh, that's when, a like, tough uh, question. The, which one? Because when we're a kid, that's when we're exposed to that tournament, usually for the first time, especially with uh, memorabilia or just gear from like Zellers mm-hmm. and stuff from Bluke or mm-hmm. the North Carolina Tar Heels. Or what was your team when you were younger? I always had. A very uh, soft spot for two teams. Of course, the Allen and Iverson Georgetown Hoyas, but I really had a really soft spot for the Florida Gators. Uh, they had Billy Donovan as a coach, who's co coaching the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder now. They were always playing an up tempo game with. Uh, Good uh, with good guards pressing the action and like collapsing defenses. They were fun to watch. They were more fun to watch than most uh, college teams. And uh, yeah, like they had the colors. They had the. Uh, they, they're not. They're 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 rather small program because most of the money in Florida University is going to football. Yeah. But uh, they were always fun and always uh, entertaining to see. For me, when I was yours? Uh, when I was seven years old, I went to Wildwood and I was playing okay. a arcade game where you need to get those tickets to get a prize at the end. And at the mm-hmm. end of my stay at Wildwood for seven days on the boardwalk, I gathered a lot of tickets. And what I okay. brought home with me was a basketball of the Duke Blue Devils. Oh, the Blue Devils. And I've the been like guys. I've been liking the bad guys since then because <laughs> hey, say hello to the bad guy. <laughs> there I I don't hate them like most people do. And I think it's just because we're Canadian. So but, but everybody in the United States hate them. They're a private school, they're arrogant. They actually have a guy this year who's tripping other players on the court. He has been gotten caught three times right now, Grayson <laughs> Allen. Uh, they're heels. heels but i cannot understand for the love of me why that kid didn't get suspended at least once because it's coach, make any sense. it's coach Krzyzewski. most likely yeah. uh but they're not as white and privileged as they used to be yeah. they have brendan they have brendan ingram this year who is as much of a uh um not a ghetto kid but like a a a kid from the streets who has been growing up uh, hard? It's been like he's been playing basketball for Duke. He's been doing great. Um, they got 
they got a lot of good players from more modest backgrounds, giving them a chance, giving them uh, exposure and a good development program. They're not the days of Christian Leitner are gone, and you know it's okay to root for the Blue Devils now. Absolutely, Ben. <laughs> thank you very much, and I can't wait to talk about the March Madness tournament for the whole show next week. Yes, sir. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.